Turn in your Bible to Ephesians 6. Our nation needs help. You know, one thing as you were praying there, Brother Gabe, I was thinking about um, when you uh, came to church uh, from out and being in the world and the people that prayed for you and God heard their prayers. I think of... uh, You know, my, my dad, I look at, told you about old videos. There was old pictures, too. And uh, I'm not going to get into all of it, but I've seen pictures with earrings. And long hair. And God, God saved him out of that. And I can't even barely picture, if I hadn't seen the pictures of when he was young, he don't even look like the same person. Not even close. Looked like a completely different guy. Can you picture my dad with long hair and an earring? (laughs) It takes some work, wouldn't it? It don't look like the same man, I'm telling you. And his facial expressions. Mean. Mean. And he was known as the meanest guy on the job site. In fact, when my dad would take us as children, he'd say, let's go talk to so-and-so. And he'd go witness to the people that used to know him and go give them the gospel. He'd stop by at their house, unexpected. Hey, I got to tell you what God did for me. And they're like backing off because my dad used to be pretty mean. And uh, God changed him completely. So we pray for God to change people in our country. God, God can change them. And I thank God for my dad and what God did with my dad. And I want to tell you children something. Listen. When your parents get on to you and you don't know exactly why you thank God for your parents there's a lot of children out there that do not have a dad or a mom and if they have a dad or a mom they don't know God and that's most of our country right now they don't have parents they don't have God and when they do see their parents, a lot of times they want to leave so quick because their, their parents are on drugs or alcohol. And you're growing up in a, in a home where you have a parent that, yeah, they're sinful, yeah, they make mistakes, but they love you and they love God. That's a blessing. And I was thinking... 
I thank God that God gave me a wife that loves me and loves God. There's a lot of men out there that don't have a wife that love God. And for the wives, there's a lot of wives sitting at home just hoping that their husband would be home, hoping that they'd have a husband that would love them. And their, their husband's out. They don't know where. My grandpa, he took off three kids and he took off. My grandma, that's before cell phones, before anything, had no clue where he was. Nothing. No grandpa. My whole dad's, my dad's whole childhood, no, no dad. He had a stepfather later on, but never knew who his dad was. And I think about my grandma raising those three boys with no, no husband. You might have a knucklehead of a husband, but you thank God that you have a husband. We're going to go through this. God gave me this just now to go through. And I think it's all going to tie in together here. And we're going to just have to trust God. But Ephesians 6, chapter 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And God's going to deal with the whole, the whole thing right here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Children have to obey their parents for it to be well with them and to live long on the earth. That's the promise that is given from God's word is to obey your parents. Not because your parents are so great, but because God told you to. For this is right. And in order for that to happen, you have to have parents. In order to, to obey your, your mom and obey your dad, you have to have a mom and a dad. We need mothers and we need fathers. Amen. This country needs mothers and it needs fathers. So when you're out there and, and, and we see fathers out there and we see dads out there that aren't living right, aren't doing right, our heart should break for them. Like as not, they probably have children somewhere. That's right. But children are to honor their father and mother, not again, not because they got great mommies and great daddies, but because they honor the Lord. They honor God, they obey God, and in obeying God, they obey their mom and dad. And if you don't get a hold of that and you obey your mom and dad because they're, my dad's awesome or my mom's great, yeah. you're going to blow out. That's right. Because you're going to find someday that your dad is sinful yeah. and that your mom is sinful. And you're going to go, what? I put all my faith and trust in them. 
and you'll blow out. But if you obey your parents in the Lord and you obey God because he's God Almighty and he told you to obey them and you put your faith, your hope, your trust in God, then when you see your sinful parents and you see that they sin, you won't blow out because your faith was never in your, your daddy. Your faith was never in your mommy. Your faith was in God. And you still give them honor. Because God told you to, not because they were so great. Verse 4 says, Any fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The nurture and admonition. Admonition? All right. Yeah, I think of, you, you think of nurture, and for a father, nurture, for me specifically, doesn't come quite naturally. Yeah. You know, it, you, and, and it's actually opposed nature. It, it doesn't come naturally to a dad to nurture. You watch livestock at all, and you'll figure that out right away. Yeah. The bull does not care about calves. Yeah. The lion, the, the male lion, does not care about feeding the little, the little baby cubs. The male cats, they, they go on. <laughs> They're not, they don't stick around and nurture their babies. But God tells us fathers to not provoke our children to wrath, but to bring them up in the nurture and abnonation. And you won't learn that from livestock. Amen. But what you will learn that from is from God Almighty. Amen. You talk about nurture. You talk about caring. You talk about loving. You talk about finding out... Ex- God, God searches the heart. He knows exactly where my heart is. And he gives me just what I need right at that time when I come to him. Amen. Broken. And God knows when you're full of pride. And God knows when you don't, you don't need a soft word. You need a hard word. Yeah. God knows when he needs to smack you across the, the head and say, hey, listen up. And God knows exactly when he needs to reach down and pick you up. And God knows how to show, he, he feeds us and shows us exactly what we need to have a burden. And I'll tell you something on this, this ministry, doing this tent ministry, we need a burden. It will not work without a burden for our country. It will not work without a burden for lost souls. It won't work without a burden for Christians. It won't work without a burden for the family. Yeah. If you don't have a burden for the, for the people, none of this works. Yeah. And God has to be the one to give the burden. You can't drum it up. Right. You try to drum it up and have faults. And fault, you go in your feelings and emotions and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel for these people. And that will burn out so quick. Yeah. It will burn out with the first person that slams the door. Or the first person that scoffs at you. But if God gives you a burden, the more they scoff, the more your heart breaks. And only God can do that. And you talk about nurture. He does that for us. And he admonishes us to love the world. He admonishes us to love our children. He admonishes us to love the church. And the church is in a backwards condition. It makes me sick. The church. But it's not a sickness of, you get away from me. It's not a sickness of, you get out and drive them out. It's a sickness of, why? 
Don't you know that the sin that you're bringing into the church is ruining not only your church, not only the families that are in the church, which the church is the saved people, but it's ruining the country. And my heart breaks. My flesh. And I want to go off into the woods by myself and say, forget them. But God has to give us a burden. And he does that with, with giving us the nurture of the word of God. The, the, the word of God is what feeds us. It's what feeds the church. It's what Preaching is nothing without the word of God. Preaching will not do a thing for anybody if God doesn't move through his words. And the admonition. Then God tells you, okay, go out. God tells you, okay, preach. And I'm going to touch real quick on provoke not your children to wrath. That's a tricky one. That's a hard one for me. But it's not so hard when I look at how God deals with me. Because I've been wicked and sinful beyond anything. I, I, thought, God, I, I, I thought God was going to put me up on a shelf done. And that's what I deserve. I deserve to be put up on a shelf and done. Yeah. With how I've acted in my mind and my heart. And God convicted my heart. And God brought me along and continued to nurture me and give me admonition. And say, hey, straighten this up. Straighten that up. You know, there's an old saying that it, it says that uh, rivers, ri- uh, the, uh, the easy path makes crooked rivers and crooked preachers. And God gave me an admonition to say, don't take the easy path. And that's only from God. Otherwise, preaching... You, we could draw a big crowd. Yeah. And there's the temptation to draw the big crowd, but the reason we don't is because of the admonition of the Lord. Yeah. God says to preach his truth, and he blesses us for it. But dr- provoking your children to wrath, you see your children, and, and you see them mess up, and you see them in their sin, and the Bible is very clear that the rod of correction will save their lives, that the bruise will save their lives. That's the Bible. And and that's not, you don't look at this and say, okay, well, I'm done with the rod because that would be wrong. That That would actually be what the Bible says, not spoiling your child, but hating your child. That's what, that's what God says. So you can't get that out of context. But when you provoke your child to wrath, you don't give them admonition. You don't give them nurture. You just give them the punishment. You just slap them upside the head, slap them upside the head, slap them upside the head, and you don't give them any opportunity to get it right. See, when God gets on to me, he gives me all the opportunity to get back with him and get it right. So as fathers, we got to make sure that, yeah, we get on to our children and we punish our children when they mess up because we need to teach them that for actions there's consequences. But we also need to teach them that repentance, that's what we're preaching. When you repent, that God 
will forgive you, God will bring you up, and God will nurture you, and God will give you admonition of what to do next. He doesn't just leave us in our sin and say, oh, well, you're too bad. You come to God with a broken and contrite heart, and he starts to fix. And and a time uh, fast. It ain't like a long dr- now. I'm not saying that sin doesn't have consequences. It does. It leaves scars. But God heals that, yeah. and God allows you to go forward with those scars and actually use them to show other people what God did for you. Yeah. <laughs> and then it gets into servants. Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And that's hard. That's real hard. Sometimes, who, who all is a servant in the Bible? Help me out here. Joseph was a servant. What's another servant in the Bible? Christ. That's the one I was thinking of. Any more servants in the Bible come to mind? Daniel, Moses, all types of servants in the Bible. It says, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. That has two applications. One application is at a job working for your boss, your servant to your boss. And that's probably the most noticeable application. But there's another application in there that we're servants to Christ. And Christ is our master. We spoke about two masters yesterday morning. And if Christ is your master, you obey your master with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Because God is ultimately your master. And so the same way your children don't obey you because you're so great. As a servant, you don't obey your boss or whoever you're working for because they're so great, but you obey them as unto God. And not with eye service. It's not so you can be noticed for how great I am, but because you're pleasing God. Verse 7 puts it clearly than I can ever say, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doth the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. (laughs) Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. That what God is saying here is that when you're doing good, it's as when you're doing good as unto the Lord, God sees that. And the same he, well, the same shall he receive of the Lord, yeah. <laughs> whether he be bond or free. That means whether you're doing it as a slave, whether you're doing it as a, uh, what, what did they call them when they they uh, had servants that they that had to work for seven years, um, and and indentured servants. Thank you. Whether it was an indentured servitude, which is all through our country, really, right. with mortgages and, and, and the government, you, you quickly, as a nation becomes communist, you become a servant to the government, whether you like it or not, just because you're a citizen. Right. 
And so in all of that, you do good as you obey God. And the Lord receives that, (laughs) which is amazing to me. And ye masters, do the same unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And that's what we need. Right there. Is we need the power of God on us. This nation needs the power of God in every facet. It needs it in the families. It needs it at work. It needs it. We need the power of God in churches. Everything, we need the power of God. That's what we need. That's what our country is lacking. It's been preached time and time and time again. And the reason it's been preached time and time and time again is because our nation is going on and Christians are going on without the power of God. And so it's powerless. When you go to work and you go to work in your flesh and I'm going to do a good job, and I'm going to earn some money and you leave God out of it, you've left the power of God. When you say I'm going to raise my family up because I want them to look pristine and look good to bring me glory because I want everybody to see my obedient children, you leave the power of God out of it. When you say I want to look pristine as a husband and everybody to know that I'm some great husband or great wife and you leave God out of it, you left the power of God outside of your marriage. And each one of those without the power of God in it will fail. You'll fail at the workplace, you'll fail at church, and you'll fail in your family. We need the power of God. That's what it says here. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Our country needs the power of God on the children of God. And we've got to see that we need the power of God. The power of God has been undermined and undermined and undermined. We don't think we need the power of God. And here's one of the reasons we don't think we need the power of God, because we know if the power of God's going to move in, we have to be obedient to God, and we have to obey God and follow God with our heart towards God, like Brother Joshua's been preaching on, our heart towards God, God sees your heart, and so you can say, oh, yeah, I want the power of God. But if your heart isn't turned towards God, it doesn't matter what you say. You won't get the power of God. And we need the power of God in our lives. So when God says, hey, he's dealing with your heart, and you don't deal with God in your heart towards God, when you don't break, when God tells you to break, then you're not going to receive the power of God. So we need the power of God. And then verse 11, and we're going to go through this, the, the armor of God, because we're in a battle. That's right. And there's a huge spiritual battle going on. And that's one thing I love about this ministry is you see the spiritual battle clearer. It yeah. becomes so clear when we're doing this. Yeah. Amen. And it's all the time. Sure, it's at home. Yeah. It is. And it's, it's at home with our local church. And it's at home when you door knock. But when you go into into uncharted territory and there is no church here, you know how long the devil's had rain here? I don't. But it's been a long time. You can tell by looking around at the town where there's no Bible-believing church. And so the devil has had full rain here doing whatever he wants. When we went out to talk to people the other day, I'd say, what, 70, 80% of them were Catholic? 
so confused. And a big reason of that is, is because the spiritual wickedness in high places here have just been all about. And the children of their father, the devil, have just been following in step line with with the devil. And then God sent us out here. And it's in direct conflict with the devil. It's direct conflict. And the devil's not happy. But we have, hold on, if you have the power of his might then you can see defeat in the devil. You can see defeat when somebody hears the gospel or hears the word of God and their heart begins to change towards God. That's the power of God that does that. It's the power of God when someone listens to you at a door. It's the power of God when someone hears a message that is contrary to anything they've ever heard and they begin to change. And so it's not in vain by any stretch of the imagination. Invading the devil's territory in this spiritual war is not in vain. But we have some things we've got to do in this battle. And that's what the Bible is getting ready to, to get us ready for. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And that's important, the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. Not a part of it. You understand? You can't just say, okay, well, I'm going to put my boots on. And my my feet are, are shed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I'm good to go. And you walk out into battle with your boots on. Isn't going to work. Yeah. If you don't have the... Christ's righteousness on you, if you don't have your shield of faith, if you don't have your helmet of salvation, and you drop a piece off. And I know this is a basic teaching here, but we need to be reminded of this. We need to be reminded to put on the whole armor of God, because if I'm not careful, you know what I'll do? It's time to give out the gospel? Okay. I'm going to put on my preparation of gospel peace. And I put my boots on, and and, you know, I, I go through the verses that, that salvation verses, and I get those real fresh in my mind. I, I make sure I've got that Romans road sharpened up, maybe the Hebrews road or the Isaiah road sharpened up. And, and those are all good. There's nothing wrong with sharpening your sword. But when you just get your preparation of the gospel of peace on, and you go marching out there, and you leave off the rest of the armor, you're going to fail. Yeah. And that's why God tells you to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And the devil notices when you've got armor left off. He'll notice when you left righteousness over there. He'll notice when you left your faith laying over there. And all you, this sword is powerful and I'm not, I'm not making light of it by any means, stretch of the imagination, not making light of the sword. And I'm not making light of putting the boots on, the preparation of the gospel of peace, and I'm not making light of the breastplate of righteousness by any stretch of the imagination. You need them all is the point. But if you just go out there with the sword on and not the rest of your armor on, you're going to get, you're not going to be able to stand. That means you're going to fall. 
That, uh, that's what the Bible says, to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And the wiles of the devil are crazy. There's a peace inside of this tent. And I believe God has given us a peace inside of this tent. I believe God has answered our prayers when people come into this tent. But you go out into the streets here, you go out into the, we walked over on that bridge the other day. And God is merciful and God deals with us. But the wiles of the devil are all over the place. And I don't begin, I'm not claiming that I understand it all. I'm a peon. And I can't see the spiritual things, but I know they're there without a doubt. I know that there's, there's a spiritual war going on right now. And I know I don't see devils floating around and I don't see God's angels floating around, but I know they're there. That's right. I know they're there when I walk into a house that is satanic yeah. and my hair stands up on end. And I don't know why other than this person has had so much infiltration with the devil and my spirit within me goes oh and i've seen god conquer those places but what i'm telling you and what the bible is telling you is you better have your whole armor of god on and when we go out into a this is a mission field right here when we go out into the mission field here with this ministry you better have the whole armor of god on Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's what we can see. That's what we can feel. But against principalities, against powers. We can't see that physically. Against the rulers of darkness of this world. Can't see that physically. And I hope you get this. I hope that you understand. This is what the Bible says for our edification. That there are powers and i don't want to dwell on this too much but there are definitely principalities against powers against the rulers of darkness of this world against the spiritual wickedness in high places and there's not a point in this city barely that you can't see the high place the big high place that's that's got its lock over this whole town is that catholic church right there that's right. and you can see it from just about every spot you can actually see it from parts of nebraska over there Yep. And the Bible calls it out. Right. So we shouldn't be ignorant to the devil's devices. That's what the Bible says. Amen. And we don't need to be scared of the devil. That's right. We don't need to be trembling from the devil here. You go back, what did it say? With fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. We fear God, being in line with God, being lockstep with God, having God's mind on our mind, having God's heart on our, imputed on our heart, and putting on the whole armor of God and obedience to God that you may be able to stand when you're on the streets of Yankton, when you're in the neighborhood, the trailer park over there. And if you do not have the whole armor of God on, you will fall. Yeah, that's right. And that's important for this ministry to get a hold of this. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be, and again, the Bible says the whole armor of God and it's not there by accident. God put the whole armor, whole armor in there twice so far. Amen. Whole armor. 
God tells you to put the whole armor on, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. Hello. That's where we're at. We're in an evil day, an evil time. We're watching evilness just take over our country, take over the families. We're in an evil day. And God's telling us not to back down, not to go find a place in the woods, not to go off on my, my merry little farm, not to just stay in my quiet, comfortable church, but he says to stand. He says to withstand, that ye may, that, that may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. As you were praying, God brought this right to my heart. Yeah, our country's tumbling. Families are crumbling apart at the seams. Children are being perverted. Divorce skyrocketing. Churches crumbling. They're either crumbling and faltering, and if they preach the book, they're, they're... Without the power of God, we're watching them just, they'll be empty. And so churches compromise, and they get big, and they leave God completely out, and they become a social club. And we're watching this in in this evil day all over the place. And yet what God has told us to do is to stand, having done all to stand, and he gave us direct instruction on how to do this. And I don't think it's an accident or a coincidence that in this chapter leading up to this point, he starts with the children. And then he starts with the fathers. And he puts it all in perspective of who you're serving. And I hope you get a hold of this today. Like you talked about the other day, Hitler understood this. And a study on Hitler, I don't know that I recommend it or not. I wouldn't study him unless God tells you to study him by any means. And you study it with the word of God if you do study it because it's satanic. Hitler was satanic. He was a devil-possessed man. And one thing he went after was the children. You know, kindergarten, German word. He understood that if he could get the children and implant wickedness into their hearts at a young age that he would have them the rest of their life and he did and our our evil day that same evil demonic spirit that possessed hitler didn't die with hitler he's still around and he's still doing it with all the children and trying to implant the wickedness into their heart so as christian parents we need to understand this and it's a biblical principle to nourish and admonish our children Get them ready for the battle that they were born into. You think it's bad for us? If the Lord tarries, and he might, if the Lord tarries, our children are going to have a much stronger battle on their hands than what we have. Unless God turns our country. We're not told to turn our country. We're told to stand, having done all to stand. We're told to admonish and nourish our children so that they can stand against the evil day. 
The Bible says that children are in the hands, are arrows in the hands of a mighty man. And that children are in heritage of the Lord. They're, they're the, they're the, the fruit of the womb is the, the, the heritage of God. Heritage of the Lord. Here, we'll turn to it real quick. Psalms 127. This is one of my wife's favorite chapters. But this is important. It goes align what we're, what we're talking about. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. That's heavy. That means that unless God watches the house, your house, you can, you can stay on guard all you want in your flesh. It's going to be in vain. You can labor all you want in your flesh, but unless the Lord builds your house, it's in vain. Verse 2, it is in vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he giveth his beloved sleep. I like that verse. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. The realization of that is heavy. That those children are not my children, they're God's children. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. We're speaking about the enemy over there at Ephesians 6. See, that ties in so well. But they speak with the enemies in the gate. And God wants us to prepare our children to stand, having done all to stand in the evil, in the evil day. But God has to build the house. God has to watch the house. You know, just driving down the road, I cannot guard my children's eyes. I'd, I literally would have to put duct tape over their eyes or a blindfold over their eyes and just walk them around in line in this evil day. I can't do that. I can't protect them like they need protected. God has to. And he says he will. But if I say, you know what? I'm going to be the protector. I'm going to count on my ability alone and my wife's ability alone to, uh, to guide and raise my children alone with me. That's going to be a shipwreck. I'll rise up and I'll eat the bread of sorrows. And I'll say, well, I stayed up all night. And I tried to my best in my own abilities to raise my own children the way I thought was best. And I left the power of God out on it. And I'll eat the bread of sorrows. But if you raise them up in the nourishment and the admonition of the Lord with the power of God. Then they're going to speak with the enemies at the gate. And we won't be ashamed. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed but they shall speak with the enemies at the gate. And it's easy for children to be ashamed of God if their parents are ashamed of God. And so God starts this chapter, go back to Ephesians 6, dealing with the children, and that's not an accident. Let's get back to where we were here. The principalities, the world, the darkness, the rulers of the darkness... And he says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. And then he's going to get into the actual pieces of armor that you put on. 
Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the, the, the breastplate of righteousness. Starts with truth. As he was preaching last night, God desires truth where? In the inward parts. God knows whether you desire truth or not. And truth will make you free, right? But truth will also hurt. Kind of like growing in the Lord. When you grow in the Lord, I, I don't know about you, but I had growing pains like you wouldn't believe growing up. I, I mean, the growing pains like crying, and, and I didn't like to cry, but growing pains that would cause me to cry growing up. I was about this tall at 13, and, and I think that had something to do with it, but we grew quickly, and my boys get growing pains. They'll come down the stairs, oh, dad, it hurts. Suck it up. <laughs> And I, 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 I laugh because there's growing pains when you grow in the Lord, especially when you grow rapidly with the Lord and God is just feeding you left and right and saying, come along, come along, come along. There's going to be growing pains. That means there's going to be, really, God, you want me to get rid of that in my life? Right. And it'll hurt. Really, God, you want me to start doing this? And it'll hurt. Yeah. But you grow in the Lord. I don't know how I got off on that. Oh, truth. Truth. A love for truth. Having your loins girt about with truth. You know, when, when they would go to battle, the, the, go with me for a second back to old time Israel, all right? A lot of times the men wore these robes that would go down, right? And I don't know, I didn't see them. This is the best of my understanding. I wasn't there. But this is the best I understand. They had long robes, and then underneath those robes, they had britches. And so what they do when they go to battle is they would girt their loin and, and put that robe and girt them and tie them around their waist and girt their loins up. Yeah. So they would be able to run, and so they'd be able to jump on a horse or battle. Yeah. And what God is saying is you girt your loins up with truth. That means you don't accept any of the falsehood in there. You girt your loins with truth. And if it's true, you hold on to it and you gird it about yourself. That's the first step here is you girt your loins with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, that's not talking about our own righteousness. God isn't interested in. And me saying, look how great I am and look how great I live my life. But it's talking about God's righteousness imputed upon you. God imputes his righteousness upon you. That's what the Bible says. I believe it. And so when God imputes his righteousness on you, it's a breastplate. One of the first things you see with a breastplate on a soldier is the breastplate it's a big old clunky piece of armor that goes from here to here and a lot of times it ties around on your back it ties around but it's the breastplate first thing that that people see and they got a problem with it right off the bat they'll call you self-righteous yeah that's right they'll say oh 
you have a standard according to the Bible. Well, you just think you're something, don't you? And it points itself to God. And no, I'm nobody. But God imputed his righteousness. And because I love truth and, and God's righteousness, it's God through me. From the heart inside out, working out, and the righteousness of God is right there on your breastplate. Yeah. And immediately in our dark, evil day, and the evil day that we live in, they see that breastplate of righteousness right off the bat because yeah. it's contrary to this whole world. That's right. Application. When you don't put the breastplate of righteousness on, and you go to work, And you talk like the world. There went your blessed prayer of righteousness on. Oh, but now you're going to share the gospel with them? Right, exactly. It won't work. And they'll try you out. Right. I went to Westgate Trailer. Yeah. And that, that's one of the reasons people think I put scripture magnets on my car. Again, they, oh, you think you're some... It, it, it's not a self-righteous thing at all. It's actually because I'm feeble and weak. And so... That immediately tells them where I'm at. And so I need more separation from the world. And so that, those, those just make it easier for me. And God put a burden on my heart to do it. But immediately, you know what they try to do? Is tell some raunchy joke. And they watch, see if you laugh. And if you don't have the breastplate of God's righteousness on you and you go laugh at their filthy joke, you know what that just did? It threw your testimony down and you just fell. We need Christ's righteousness imputed on our lives. That's, it's an essential, every part of this is an essential part of the whole armor of God. And if you don't understand God's righteousness and the truth girded about your loins, you're going to fall. Amen. We need God's righteousness on our lives. Yeah. So stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You gotta have the your your feet shod. Yeah. And I'm not making light of putting your boots on right. at all. I, I'm not. Amen. You can have all the righteousness, you can love truth. Application here. I'm reading my Bible. I'm, I'm, I'm living the way God wants me to with his righteousness on my life. And I, I love truth and I'm learning truth. But I don't put my boots on and people walk all by you and you don't care. Yeah. You don't give them the gospel yeah. because you're doing your thing. Right. Doesn't work. Right. Doesn't work. If you're going to stand, again, the goal is here, according to the scripture, what he's getting at is standing, having done all to stand in the evil day, then you're going to need the preparation of the gospel of peace. Yeah, that's right. So you can't leave off your, your righteousness. You can't leave off truth. And you can't leave off the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to stand, you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Amen. This is so important. Amen. So important, especially in a ministry like this. Amen. If you think you've got all the questions figured out, you don't. If you think you're the smartest person when you go give out the gospel, you're not. Satan is subtle. Amen. And I can especially remember, this used to happen all the time when I'd go, go street preaching as a young man. I didn't have a lot of the answers. And there's some really smart people there. And they say, oh, 
And they throw these questions about evolution at me that I didn't have an answer for about how old the earth is and all this stuff. And I just, I just get back to the gospel. Amen. At the end of the day, you're going to die. And everything you know about the earth isn't going to matter. But what, all that's going to matter is your relationship with Christ. And I just run back to that and I hold on to my faith. But what it's saying here is if you don't have your shield of faith on and the fiery darts start coming in at you, then they'll they'll penetrate inside your heart. And then you'll take one of those questions that you couldn't answer home and it'll begin to your, 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 why, why do I care about righteousness? Why do I care about truth? Why do I care about giving out the gospel? Like the other day, that fellow we talked to. His, his whole complaint with God was, why have any, any, an eternal damnation is too much for, of a punishment? That's a fiery dart. He, he, yep. And the shield of faith goes, yep. and says, God is righteous, God is just, and I put my faith and trust in God. So if God says eternal damnation, then eternal damnation is right. I have faith in God and you better have your shield of faith on because the devil's going to pull back those arrows and he's going to try to get them right inside your heart. The fiery darts of the wicked. Here's another application. When we knock on a door or you tell somebody about the gospel, they're wicked. They're vile. They're sinful. There's been times I've opened the door to people that didn't have much clothes on. And if you don't have your shield of faith up, you'll find yourself in a mess of lust. You'll find yourself in a mess of filth in your mind. You've got your shield of faith up and you see a lost soul. And I cannot explain it because it's unnatural. And God lets you see that soul going to hell and breaks your heart for their condition. Now, I'm not going in somebody's house half-dressed because... God gives us wisdom (laughs) and flee immorality. But God will break your heart for that sinner where they're at. But if you don't have your shield of faith up, then there goes your righteousness. God's righteousness imputed upon you. There goes your preparation of the gospel peace because you can't even think about giving out the gospel anymore. That's why each part of the armor is so critical it all ties together that's why god says the whole armor the whole armor the whole armor so you can stand verse 17 take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and i love that clarification so you know what the sword of the spirit is it's a double-edged sword it's sharper than any double-edged sword And there's some sharp double-edged swords out there. (laughs) And it it divides the thoughts. The helmet of salvation, though. Well, isn't there more than one way to get to heaven? That's a question that comes up quite frequently. We ran into a guy the other day, actually, this I'm a spiritual being, which he does have a spirit. It's separated from God. 
And they say, okay, well, what about the Buddhists? What about the, aren't they all doing the same thing? And unless you've got your helmet of salvation on, that salvation is through God alone. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, is what Christ said. Then your salvation over your head, your own salvation, your head will get all mixed up. You better have your salvation down. You better not be placing it upon your works. You better not be... You better know salvation inside and out as a Christian if you're going to stand at all. Because it's going to be attacked. So you better get your mind right with salvation. The helmet of salvation will guard your mind. It'll guard your head. And it says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Um, Turn real quick to Hebrews. we got to go to this when you deal with the sword of the Spirit. I believe it's chapter 12. Where's Hebrews? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> ah, here we go. I believe it's Hebrews chapter 12. Nope. 13. Where, where am I at? Where's, where's the scripture of the double-edged sword? It's right over here. You know where I'm going? Lord, help me. It divides asunder the thoughts, is what the Bible says. But I want to read the actual verse. And and it it discerns the intent of the heart, which is what we've been talking about. Chapter 4.12. 4.12, thank you. I don't know why I thought. All right. Verse 12, for the word of God, that's what we're talking about, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's something that no words can do. So when you're giving the gospel to somebody, you better have your sword with you. Because if you try to use your logic to prove that God is real, you're going to fall. When you try to use your intellect to say, you know what, there's a God because look at the world and look at this and look at it, you're going to fall. But when you pull out the Bible and the Bible will cut into their heart in a way that you cannot, I do not understand that. I do not understand it. I believe it and I've seen it. But that girl over there, she looked over my shoulder and read the Bible. And what it did is it pierced even to the dividing asunder of her soul and spirit. That means it went through her mind and her emotions. And it went down through all the the joints and marrow into her heart. And it discerned her thoughts to show her right where she was at. And the intent of the heart. And got right down to her heart to where the word of God went to her heart and dealt with her heart. 
And only the word of God can do that. Nothing else will do that. I love the hymns. And the hymns are biblical. Like Brother Gabe says, most of them have the word of God right behind them. They're they're written from verses of scripture. And that's what makes them powerful. It doesn't make them powerful because they have a beautiful melody. Although a lot of them do have great melodies. But that isn't what makes them powerful. What makes them powerful is they're Bible-based. They're scripture and they glorify the scripture, not the melody. Not the music. See, that's what this world's got turned around with the music. Is they got their music to where even if they do have right words, which most of the time they don't. But even if they do have the right words... They glorify the music and the flesh and the melody to make you move and not even pay attention to what you're saying. And the world does this all the time. And I don't mean to chase this rabbit trail too far, but people will sing about abominations in a rap song or any song, really. And they won't even know what they are saying because the melody and the, the, the uplifting of their flesh just takes over. And they memorize these songs and they don't even know the words that they're memorizing. What God does is he magnifies his word and his word begins to deal with your heart and his word cuts right through your emotion to where it's not an emotional appeal that these hymns go for. It's a heart appeal because the word of God is cutting through all your emotion. It's cutting through your mind. It's cutting and it's dealing with your heart. And that's the music portion of it. But when you pull up The Bible, when you're witnessing or when you're studying with your family, it discerns your thoughts in your heart and gets right down into your heart. And only the word of God can do that. So if you let's put this in application, you put on the righteousness. God's righteousness is imputed upon you. You put on the preparation of the gospel. peace. You got your 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 gird. What's it? Gird. Your, your truth is girded about your waist. You've got all that on. You've got the helmet of salvation on. And you leave the word of God, you're going to fall. Because the word of God is the only thing that's going to pierce through all of that. Your righteousness, Christ's righteousness, imputed on you even, will not do that. Just having a heart and a burden, which you should have to get the gospel out, will not do what the word of God will. Knowing the truth, memorizing the truth, loving the truth, having a burden to tell people the truth, will not do what the Word of God will do. We need the whole armor of God. All right, so now we're at the point here. You've got the breastplate of righteousness on. You're, You're girded about with truth. You've got the preparation of the gospel peace on your on your boots. You've got the helmet of salvation on and you got the sword of the spirit, the word of God. All right. Charge, right? Verse 18, praying with all prayer and supplication and the spirit. You're all girded about, you're ready to go. Pray. With all supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. That's what the Bible says. Next thing you better do is pray. Here's the problem that we do. We have this. I have this problem. 
I get all ready. I get everything about. And I charge out there and I don't pray. And that's a critical step. You miss that step and you're going to fall. The Bible says, all right, you're all ready to go. Get on your knees. You pray for the saints. You pray with the supplication of the spirit. Because if you got to have all of this here to pray right too. And then he gets to this point, verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me. This is after the prayer. You've got the whole armor on. He said, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So we got the whole armor of God on. Your heart's burdened in prayer. And then he says, I don't know what to say. (laughs) He said, that utterance may be given unto me. I don't know what to say, Brother Joshua. We get to somebody's house and I don't know what to say. Somebody walks by and I don't know what to say all the time. I I don't know what to say. But then God gives the utterance. He uses the truth, his righteousness, salvation, the sword of the shield of the spirit or the faith. And then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you don't know which way, what angle the devil's coming. You don't know what that person's dealing with, but God does. And that's why we have to rely upon God for the utterance. Because I don't know what to say. I don't know what to preach. God has to be the one to give the utterance. And he's asking them to pray for him. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly. Paul, you would think, was one of the most boldest men I know. And yet he's saying, pray for boldness for me. We need to make sure we're praying for each other to have boldness. That you may open your mouth boldly. Because God will give you a message. And if you don't have the boldness to preach it, that God has to be the one to give you, then you won't preach the message that God gave you. And Paul got that, and that's why he's saying, hey, pray for me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And here's why. For which I am an ambassador in bonds. You're an ambassador for Christ in bonds. And this isn't a, oh, I'm dragging to do this. This is your reasonable service. That therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. God wants Christians to be bold. Our country, we we go back to our country, the reason our nation is at where it's at is you had people that knew the Bible. You had people that knew right and wrong because they were with the Word of God. They had it taught to them, and they let it pass. They didn't say a word about it. And I'm no better. we got to pray that God gives us boldness. And when God tells you to stand up and speak, you stand up and speak. But it better be from God, not from your flesh. And if you've got the whole armor of God on and you're in prayer and you're relying upon God and waiting for God to move and God moves, you'll move the right way and boldness according to God. But there's no shortcut here. It's the whole thing or you're going to fall. 
There's no, I can leave this out or I can take it. Or, there's none of that here. You need the whole thing. This ministry needs all of this. And then you get to the point where you speak boldly as you ought to speak. And if you get to all the way to this point and you don't speak boldly as you ought to speak, you've lost it. This whole thing leads up. God put this all in here for a reason. Verse 21. But that ye may, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do, and this applies to us too. Tychias, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things. He's gonna, he's gonna go tell you because he couldn't, he couldn't be there. Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that ye might know our affairs, that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to you, brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all that the love of our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity, amen. And that reminds me that I am thankful for a church to send us out. And the church is thankful that we're here. And we pray for them fervently as we should. We need to pray for our church when we're not there. And they pray for us. And we give them an update. And they give us an update. Because we love each other. And a ministry needs a church behind it. And a ministry had a church behind it here. That's the way God set it up. An army goes out with support behind it makes a world of difference. And praise the Lord, he set this ministry up with the direct army behind it. And I thank God for that. So we're in an evil day. And there's wicked principalities out there and there's evilness on every side. Don't be scared of that. There's not a word in here that talks anything about retreat or backing down. There's not a sentence in there about dwelling on the enemy. It's all about standing against it, having done all to stand. And God tells us exactly how to do it. God knew our country was going to be where it's at. God knew this ministry was going to take off when it took off. God knew we were going to be in Yankton when we're in Yankton. And he told us to stand, having done all to stand. God knows where he's wanting this tent next. God knows what he wants to do with it. You put your armor on. You put the armor of God on. And you make sure that you've got each piece on. And you get in the word of God and you pray according to how God tells you to pray. And you pray that God make us bold. uh, The Bible talks about a bold as a lion. And the devil's a lion. I ain't worried about the devil's lion when I've got God with me. There's no fear. God gives us a sound mind, not a spirit of fear. We don't have to fear that Catholic church over there. I don't fear it because God is greater. My flesh may tremble. Praise the Lord for that. Because my flesh ain't what we need. What we need is God. And God has the victory. 
And our country may wax worse and worse. According to the Bible, the world's going to wax worse and worse and worse. And yes, I love to see revival in the church. But more of what I'm concerned about is what God told me to do. What God told you to do is stand having done all to stand. That's what we've got to worry about. That's what we've got to do is be in line with God. And don't forget the children. They're a huge part of this. They're a part of this ministry. God put children in this chapter and fathers in this chapter and servants in this chapter and a master unto Christ. Christ is our master and serving him for a purpose and a reason. And children are involved in the warfare. They're arrows. That's all I've got. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your words. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the message that you gave me, Lord. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that you would give us boldness, Lord God. Lord, I can't, I'm not bold, Lord. In my flesh, Lord, I have nothing, Lord. I know that, Lord. I know I'm just a frail creature, Lord God. I know I'm just dust. I'm base, Lord God. But Lord, I know that you're stronger and you have the victory over all the wickedness and sin in this country, Lord God. And that it doesn't hold a candle to your righteousness, Lord. It doesn't hold a candle to your words, Lord God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would stand, having done all to stand in this evil day, Lord. Lord, help us, Lord God. Strengthen us where we need strength, Lord. Pick us up, Lord God. Lord, we can't stand if you don't pick us up, Lord. Our flesh is weak, Lord. We grow tired. Lord, you've given us a burden, Lord, and I'm thankful for the burden, Lord. I'm thankful for the burden for our country, Lord God. I'm thankful that, it, that you made it bother my heart, Lord, to see the families broken, Lord God. And Lord, I'm asking you to make, help me to have utterance, Lord God, to make known the mystery of the gospel and give me the boldness that we need, Lord God. Give me the boldness, Lord, to speak up for you, Lord God. Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need you, Lord. We need you. This ministry needs you, Lord. We don't want to go about this in our own strength, Lord God. We need your power on us, Lord. We need the power of your might upon this ministry, Lord God, this tent. Our families, Lord, need your power on them, Lord God. Our wives, our children, Lord God, we need their, they need your power, Lord. Lord, we ask you to guard their hearts and their minds, Lord. Don't let Satan creep in and steal them away, Lord God. Put a hedge of protection over them, Lord. And Lord, help us to serve you in your power, Lord God. Lord, we don't want to waste our time in the flesh. We don't want to waste our time just doing our own thing, Lord God. Lord, we want to serve you in the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. We ask that your Holy Spirit would fill us today, Lord. That our cup would overfill and run over, Lord God, to a lost and dying world, Lord. And we, Lord, we pray specifically for Yankton, Lord. This is our last night here, Lord God. And Lord, we pray that you'd move in a powerful way, Lord. Lord, the, the remnant of the, the church that's here, Lord, is wondering what to do next, Lord. And Lord, we know that you're powerful enough to give them an answer, Lord God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, you'd show them clearly, Lord. Touch them, Lord. Help them to know what to do next, Lord. Lord, we know you won't leave them or forsake them, Lord. 
Help them, Lord, not to grow weary with the truth, Lord. Help them to have a hunger for truth. Help them to have a desire to serve you, Lord God. And Lord, we pray that you do a powerful work here in Yankton, Lord. Raise up a church, Lord God. We know that you can do it, Lord. Yes, God, do it. Lord, I pray you bind Satan over Yankton, Lord. Yes, Father. That you'd kick hell back from it, Lord God. Yes, God. We pray, Lord, that you'd punch the devil in the mouth here, Lord God. Yes, God. Crush him, Lord. Yes, God. Rebuke him in Jesus' name. Lord, the devil's had a stronghold here for a long time. And yet you sent us here for a reason and a purpose, Lord God. Yes, Lord. And Lord, I pray you'd send reinforcements here, Lord. And even after we leave, Lord, that you continue the work that you started here. Yes. You said you'd finish the work that you began, Lord God. And we trust you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be obedient to you. Help us to follow you, Lord. Help us not to get carried away in our own flesh, Lord God. And Lord, we pray for the future of this ministry, Lord. That you'd keep it to where it brings glory to your name, Lord. Lord, we don't want to see anything creep into this ministry that would, would cause any dishonor, Lord, to you. And we can't do that on our own, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you put a hedge over this ministry. A protection over it, Lord, that it would be, uh, that it would magnify your words, Lord. And Lord, help us to ha stand, having done all to stand in this evil day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.